Hey Velocity, welcome to today's podcast. We're so excited to hear how your life has changed by Velocity Church. And if your life has been impacted, feel free to send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back and enjoy the message. But we're so glad that you're here and uh, we are shutting down our uh, little series we've been in, series that's not really a series, Summer at Velocity. And I'm excited about this word that I have to share with you today. I want you to know uh, that if it is your first time here, uh, you are in a place where we really believe you can belong before you believe. Uh, What that means, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know everything about church. You don't have to know even exactly where you stand with God, but that you can belong here before you believe. Now, the flip side of that is you're in a place that really does believe. Like we really do believe that the Bible is God's word to us, that he speaks to us through his word, that Jesus is his perfect son, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that through him we can have a right relationship with God. We really believe that stuff. But most of all, I want you to know that, that we've been praying for you. That if you're here, I don't believe it's an accident by any chance. In fact, I believe that this can be a divine appointment for some of you today. I believe it will be. Uh, Somebody might have tricked you into coming today. Uh, You you might not even be from here. You think you're just visiting, but God knew you would be here, and he wants to speak to you. I believe this is a word for you. And I believe that what you're going to find is not only what God wants for you, but you're going to discover how he operates. Because ultimately, what God wants for us is to be more like Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's, that's what the term Christian really means. It means little Christ. I don't know if you know the, the origin of the word. When it was first used, it was used in a derogatory term towards Christians. It was like, hey, you're just, you're just acting like little Christ. And they're like, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point. Is we're, trying, we're trying to be like Christ. So when we come here, when we gather, when we study, when we give, when we serve, it's all in an effort to become more like Jesus. And I want to set this up for you today, this message. I'm going to read one verse, just one verse. I'm going to give you just a little bit of context. I'm going to give you my title, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll get into God's word today. But uh, this verse I'm going to share with you, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul is writing to a church, and this is what he says. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's good. We could just stop right there. It's like all you need. Just, just take that and live it out. You're going to be all right. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, what you should know might be helpful to realize that Paul was writing to a church that was very dysfunctional. He was writing to a church that people were all over the spectrum. And on opposite sides of the spectrum, there were people who were serving passionately for God, and there were people who were very selfish. Uh, there were people who were very generous and people didn't understand generosity at all. There, there were people who uh, loved God and, and they lived it out. And then there were people that just wanted to keep the status quo. There were people who were grounded and then people who were a little bit crazy, if you want to know the truth about it. And he says, and all, he, he's trying to bring some clarity to what they're, they're going through and the issues that they're facing. And just say, here's what you need to know. Follow my example as I follow Christ as I follow Christ's example. So I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, and a lot of people like to take notes at this church. In fact, uh, it's a pretty good way to get to heaven is to take notes. Not the only way. In fact, actually, it's not even true. Don't believe that. But I'm just saying um, it's good to take notes in church. I'm calling this message a church like Jesus. A church like Jesus. Not the sexiest title I've ever had, but, you know, I don't get up here to impress you. 
if you want to know the truth, I get up here to impact you. I want what I say to, to be impactful, to be practical, help you live it out. So let's pray, ask for God's help this morning. We'll get into God's word. God, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, I'm asking that you would use me this morning. Speak through me, God. Help me communicate your word, your truth. God, we need you. I need you. And God, I believe you've given me a word for this people. So, so help me to get it out today, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you are parents in the room like to know who my parents are in the house? That's great. So glad. I just want to know who I'm talking to for one minute. Uh, the rest of you can just ignore this. Um, kidding. But uh, my wife and I, we've been married for, for 14 years. Uh, just celebrated 14 years, actually, uh, this, this August, beginning of this month. Hey, that's all right. You can clap, clap for that. I, I think that's not a bad accomplishment. I mean, gosh, I have been so good for her life. Um, I mean, it's not the point of what I'm talking about, but I have, I've helped her, shaped her, molded her, really helped her grow in her walk with Christ. And, you know, it's not about me. It's all the glory to God for that. But uh, the, the point of what I'm saying is that in our 14 years of marriage, we have four children, uh, four offspring, four results of passion in our life. And, and uh, our oldest, Reese, he's, he just turned 11. He, he's great. Uh, we, we have our second oldest is Oliver. He's six years old. Uh, we have Grant. He's five. And then uh, we have Pippa, my favorite of the four. Uh, she, she's, uh, she's a little baby, a little girl. So glad God, God gave us a little girl. And um, I, I love my kids. And uh, honestly, they're all my favorite. Uh, I, I have to clarify that because one time I was talking about which one was my favorite and somebody came up to me after service like, you know, you really shouldn't do that. Talk about which kid is your favorite. Like that's not good for any parent to do that, let alone a pastor. And then I threw my coffee on her. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was water. So, uh, but, but I'm, I'm just saying like, I, the truth is with your kids, it's, it's like, I, I love my kids. Whichever one you're with is, is your favorite. But I, I think as a parent, like, there's usually one kid that just has a way of getting under your skin, like, like more than any other kid. You know what, parents just wave at me if I'm telling the truth. Like there's usually one kid that just has this way of getting under your skin. And usually what I've found is just because they're the most like you. Am I right? They're, they're most like you. Now, now, now some of you are, are like, where is he going with this? Does this have a point? No, it's just story time. I'm just sharing. Um, you're like, man, your family's messed up. Pray for me. Okay, no, here's what I'm saying. Here's the point of all this. It, what I'm trying to say is, it's amazing to me how much our kids can be like us almost without even trying. You know, good or bad, just by following our example, uh, they, they, they live out our tendencies. They, they live out our reactions. They, they, they live out our personalities. It's amazing to me. And, and I guess the reason I've been thinking about that is because in my life, uh, I'm endeavoring to be more like Jesus. I'm endeavoring, as Paul said, to follow his example, to, to look like he looks and, and react the way he reacts to things. And, and I want to look at a verse of scripture with you today because I came across something this week that grabbed my attention. And it grabbed my attention in, in a couple ways. First, it grabbed my attention by by what it said, but it grabbed my attention by what Jesus did. You see, it starts out, it's found in Matthew chapter 14. You don't need to put it on the screen yet, but 
Uh, it starts out in Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus heard the news. And I just got to thinking about the people in our church who've, who've heard some news this week. You, you've got some, some news that you didn't expect to get. Uh, there's been some news that's, that's come to your house and you think, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to, to deal with this. And I got to set this up for you because Jesus, he's about to hear some awful news. John the Baptist, if you don't know who John the Baptist was, he, he was a prophet. He, he was Jesus' cousin. He was also Jesus' friend. Him and Jesus, they had this special relationship. John, John the Baptist, he was this guy who, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. The only person the Bible ever says that about. But he had this specific call and purpose to prepare the way for Jesus, to go before him. And so him and Jesus, they, they weren't just friends, they weren't just family, they, they had this special connection. And when we come up on this story, John the Baptist, he's, he's about to get executed. If you don't know the, the background that's going on, he had been imprisoned for speaking against the ruler of the day at that time, because the ruler of the day had married his brother's wife, and John says, it's, shouldn't do that, that's, that's wrong, and so he got thrown in prison for that, because he didn't speak against the ruler, at least he didn't feel that way, so, so he was thrown in prison, but, but where the Bible picks up and tells a story is there's this party going on. Herod, ruler of the day, throws this party, and this is a bumping party, let me tell you. I mean, everybody who's anybody is there, got people dancing on tabletops, and one of these people's dancing, it's Herod's niece-turned-stepdaughter. Figure that one out. And she's dancing, but she's not dancing. I mean, she's dancing. You know, I mean, like, there's dollar bills flying, and that, that's the kind of dancing going on here. And this, this dance, it moves Herod so much that, man, when you dance, that, that did something, and, and here's... Let me know what you want. It's yours. You just tell me what you want. It's yours. So, so his niece turned stepdaughter. She goes to her mom. She says, hey, what, what should I ask for? And because she didn't really like what John the Baptist was saying about her, she says, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. This is crazy. I mean, just think, like, this, like the Bible is crazy. Like, there's a party, there's dancing, and then there's a head. Like, I mean, if, you didn't, if we weren't in church, you would think I was talking about Game of Thrones right now or something. I mean, that's just a crazy scene in the Bible. Some of you, like, think the Bible's boring. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. You should read it. It's not boring, but, but this is crazy. It's going on, and, and, and all of a sudden, John's beheaded, and Jesus doesn't know about it because he's out with his disciples. They're, they're doing ministry exploits. People are receiving the word. People are getting healed. There's all these miracles happening. And we pick it up in Matthew 14, verse 12. It says, later John's disciples came for his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus what had happened. And verse 13 says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. I started thinking about this moment because I see something in this text that I don't think we often talk about. I mean, when we think about being more like Jesus, a church like Jesus, our first thought is, okay, well, we should be maybe more compassionate, should be more loving, should be a little bit nicer. You know, we, we should show more mercy. We should 
show more grace in our life. And all of those are true. All of those are wonderful qualities. All of those are characteristics about Jesus. But when I look at this text, I see what it says. Here's something we often miss. And I'm going to give you two things today that most of us never step into. Two things that, that we miss out on. And, and here's what I want you to see is that if we want to be a church like Jesus, we're going to have to work on it a little bit. And one of the things is you're going to have to allow yourself to feel it. To feel it. What do you mean to feel it? See, some of us, we're going through some things but we never allow ourselves to feel it. What we do is we fake it. What do you mean? I come to church, we know we've had a hard week. We know the state of our relationships. We know what our financial picture looks like. We know all these things. And we come to church, hey man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, bro. Life's great. We come in here, I don't acknowledge what's really going on in our life. And we fake it. And, and Jesus, in this moment, he allows himself to feel the weight of it. He allows himself to break. And he, he demonstrates something, and honestly, I believe it's for us, because he gets this news, and his first response is, okay, let's go show more love and compassion. He, he gets this news and he's not like, that's not a big deal. John, he's in heaven. I'm good. He gets this news. He doesn't, hey, you know, I'm going to take to Instagram and let everybody know how I'm feeling about this right now. He doesn't do any of that. He gets in a boat and he goes off to a remote place so he can be alone. And you got to understand, like, this is Jesus we're talking about. Like, he could have done something about this. Messiah, miracle worker, healer. Like, he's raised the dead before. This guy, Lazarus, he raised him from the dead. He's attached body parts before. I mean, you know, Peter cut off this guy's ear. Again, crazy scene. Cuts off, Jesus reattaches it. You know, even later in the New Testament, uh, when Paul and Silas, they're in prison, they're in chains. The chains break and they walk. Like, John could have got out of this situation. Like, Jesus could have done something to either fix it or prevent it from happening. But we don't see that happening in the text, what we see is Jesus feel it. And I, I think we need to come to church. We need to learn to feel it. Jesus, he hears the news. His first reaction is, hey, let's go do some more miracles. He gets in the boat and he allows himself to feel it. And we need to know sometimes it's okay to feel it. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to break. So many times we paint this picture of Jesus like he was just devoid of emotion, just stone-faced. That whenever something bad happens, he was just so stoic. You're not going to see him break down. He was so removed from any sort of feeling. That's not biblical, though. Scripture actually says that, Scripture calls him a man of sorrows. A man who was acquainted with grief. 
This event that happened, it, it impacted him. He felt it personally. And there's many of us here that if we're real honest, we didn't expect the news that we got. We didn't expect things to turn out this way. We need to allow ourselves to break, to breathe, to hurt, to feel it. Didn't expect this person to walk out of my life after I gave them my best. I didn't expect that after all these years, this is what my marriage would look like. I didn't expect that at this point in my life, my kids wouldn't be talking to me. I didn't expect that I would do everything with integrity, live God honoring, and then they just let me go like that? I didn't expect that. Isn't what I signed up for? We need to just allow ourselves to feel it. I've been faithful in God's house. I expect this is gonna be this hard, take this long, cost me this much. I thought it'd be easier. I, I thought if I just prayed, I, I thought if I just served, I thought if I was just faithful, I, I thought if I just, show, I thought if I gave, I thought if I did these things, it wouldn't turn out this way. I did my best and this is what I got. And what you need to understand is that Jesus, he was responsive to the Father. He, he spent time with the Father, but yet he felt this pain and he allowed himself to hurt. He allowed himself to feel the sorrow. And I just gotta tell you, it's not a sin to feel sorrow. It's not always bad to be broken. And see, sometimes the problem with some Christians is just so callous. Like, just no feeling, just stone-faced, just no emotion. It's exactly like nothing's wrong. And it's because we've connected hurt to a sign of weakness. We've connected feeling pain to being weak. Look, I know God is good. I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I, I know all that. I know that. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I, I know all those scriptures. I know the word. But what I want you to see is that Jesus is the word, was the word. In this moment, the word is feeling it. It's feeling it. And here's why you need to feel it. It's because faking it won't fix it. Faking it won't fix it. Look, you can play tough. You can act like it's not affecting you. you. You can come in here and just pretend everything's okay, but that won't fix it. I mean, some of you know that your marriage is one toothpaste argument away from you walking out. You, you, you know that you come in here and you act like you got it all together. You pretend everything's okay. But guess what? When you leave, it's still there. And I don't want to pastor a church where we come in here and we just act like everything's cool, 
keep everything on the surface. We check off our little religious box that we came, we did church this week, now I can go about my week and do my thing and we leave unchanged. Our lives never change because we never stop to feel it. See, if you're honest, some of you here, you are broken right now. And you need to feel it because God can't fix what you fake. See, because we come here to get help. We come here to get healing. We come here to get hope. And if you just come in here and you're never honest about the stuff you're going through, you're gonna leave exactly the way you came in, unaffected. So we gotta feel it, we gotta feel it. But I, I wanna shift because what's interesting in, the, in this next passage is you see Jesus shift gears. And then the truth is, I mean, if I just stopped right here, this would be a depressing message. You'd be like, man, I came to feel better and pastor, you are not helping me right now. Uh, I, I wanna shift. But I, again, let me just say, some of you, you need to allow yourself to feel it. That's the message that you needed, it's permission. Permission to cry. Permission to know it's not okay. Permission to bring somebody else into the equation. Permission to recognize that it's out of your control. You, you just needed permission and you can find your place and just get alone and breathe. You need permission. Because I mean, you've been told your whole life, don't you dare cry. Don't you dare let anybody see you like that. Don't you dare do that. That's a sign of weakness and you've been holding it in. So you need a permission. I wanna give you permission today to feel it. But Jesus switches gears because in this same verse, if you keep reading, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So watch this. Jesus hears the news. He gets in the boat. He gets alone. He feels it. But something happens when, when he steps off the boat and onto the shore. When he's in the boat, he's breaking. But when he steps onto the shore, he shifts. And some of you, what, what you need to do is you need to shift from feeling it to filling it. You need to fill it. See, see, some of you, you've been walking around broken for so long, empty for so long, you don't realize that life could ever be any different. You're, you're stuck on repeat about how everything hurts and, and everything's bad and, and this is always gonna be this way and you're still replaying that thing in your mind that happened when you were five years old and you're blaming your spouse and you're blaming your dad and you're blaming your family and you're blaming your ex and you're blaming the system and you're blaming the church and you're blaming the organization and you're blaming everything and you need to shut up and fill it. And you begin to, to fill your life with what God has said about you. Fill your life with who he's called you to be. Fill your mouth with God's word. You need to let the word of God fill you. See, the thing is, people are counting on you. There, there are people 
who needs you. And it's not the time to be out of control. It's not, not the time to just let your emotions run rampant. You've been doing that long enough. I understand it hurts. Yes, it was wrong. But you have people in your life who need you right now. I know they walked out on you, but there are people that are still here and they need you to be present. They need you to show up. They need you to fill it. Look, I, 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 know that, I know they left, but don't let that be an excuse to live life at a disadvantage. I know what they said when they walked out and slammed the door still rings in your ear every day. But you need to fill it. You, you, you need to fill it. And see, some of, your, some of your main limitation is the playlist that you keep on repeat. You, you keep hearing these things about why you can never love again. Why you can never trust again. Why you can never break past that limitation. Why you can never move forward. And I, I know maybe you needed some assistance for a time. But can I tell you, if there is something missing from your life right now, you don't need it. You, you don't need it. It's not necessary to survive. It's not necessary to succeed. If it's not there, that means you don't need it. When you see that way, you can thank God for the things that have left your life because they're not holding your back because that means you're not empty anymore. You don't need those things. So yes, it hurt. Yes, it was wrong, but here, here's what I need you to see. Staying hurt won't help it. Staying hurt won't help it. I know you didn't expect that to happen to you. Staying hurt won't help it. I know you didn't expect your marriage to look like this. Staying hurt won't help it. I know you didn't expect them to die from cancer, but staying hurt. I, I know you didn't expect them to say all those things about you, but staying hurt, staying hurt won't help it. Staying hurt won't help it, but here's the other thing. Some of you, if you stay composed, you lose compassion. You stay composed, you, you lose compassion. You, you'll look at somebody who's struggling in their marriage right now and you'll be like, you just need to pray more. You'll look at somebody who's going through an addiction and you're like, you just need to get right. You'll look at somebody who's in sin and be like, well, you just need to come to church. And you'll forget what it's like to feel it. See, this is what happens. Because if you're reading this text, if you know the story, Jesus, he gets off the boat. He sees the crowds. He sees their hurt. He sees their pain. And he says, okay, I've got to do something about this. But what's funny is the disciples come up to him. Jesus is performing all these miracles. Starts getting late. 
It gets so late, the disciples come up and say, hey, Jesus, there's things about time you shut it down. I mean, it's getting late. People are getting hungry. You know, the people, send them home. Hey, why don't you, why don't you just kind of shut it down so that we can go home, get some rest, get something to eat. But he says, no, I've got a different plan. Got a different idea. Why don't you feed them? I need to understand, it's not like Jesus needed to do this. Like he didn't need to do the biggest fish fry of all time. Like he could have done lots of different things to feed, he could have had manna rain down from heaven. He didn't have to do this. But he wanted to get his disciples involved. Because you gotta remember, like Peter, when, when he first came to Jesus, when Jesus called him, Peter couldn't even catch a fish. But now they've been around Jesus so long, they've been getting their needs met, See, they've, they've forgotten what it's like to be hungry. They've forgotten what it's like to starve. And I think the problem sometimes as Christians, we get Christian amnesia. We, we forgot where we were when we came to God. We, we forgot the fact that we were dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses. Wouldn't be here without God. Wouldn't be here without His grace. Wouldn't be here without His help. So we need to move past the point of what God can do for us and realize what he wants to do through us. So what do you do? What's the answer? We need to feel it and fill it. Feel it and fill it. Don't ignore the pain, but don't ignore your purpose. Don't ignore what's happened but don't ignore what he's called you to. Look, you cannot let the devil isolate you and think that you're by yourself. I promise you there is somebody else in this room that is going through what you're going through and has been through what you're going through. Somebody else who's had to raise their kids by themselves. There, there is somebody else who's been in financial hardship. There's somebody else whose spouse cheated on them. Somebody else has been betrayed like that. So I know it hurts, I know it's tough. We gotta feel it, and you gotta feel it. It's tough raising these kids by myself, but I gotta raise them to be men and women of God. It's, it's, it's hard right now in this marriage, but I've gotta be the one to fill it with love. Didn't expect to get this news. I didn't expect them to walk out on me, but I've got to be the one to be there for the people counting on me. Feel it and fill it.